Welcome back to another episode of Generally Sound. We're your favorite house public podcast. I'm Jason Cottis. I'm joined by uh, Representative Jesse Topper. Good to be back. Yeah, twice, twice, twice in, in one, one week. week. I love it. Jeez. Jo- uh, and Mike Straub is still on assignment. We're making up for lost time. Yes, we are. Ruth Topper is having the best week of her life listening to Generally Assembled this week. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would seriously hope that in the annals of uh, Ruth Topper's life, this is not the best week of her life. <laughs> no. I mean, if it is, not. I would hope it would be right. for reasons other than yeah, listening yeah, to this no, podcast. It's not, not, not because of um, podcast. Well, I'm going to start this off on a personal note. I'm having a little bit of a rough morning. I'm wearing some new shoes, and I got, like, that new shoe break-in feeling where, like, so the left shoe is too tight, and the right shoe is too loose, and already it's done that thing where the thing in the back of the shoe cuts your heel. Um, yeah. It's been a very frustrating morning. Listen, I the other day I was buying, because you'll find when you have teenagers um, that my, my youngest son, Jonah, Who's, who's 14 now, he's a shoe guy. And these kids know shoes. They know yeah. which brand of Nike is the right and, and which brand of Under Armour and the New Balance Spikes that are worth. Like, he can... So we get him shoes a good bit because not only does he like to pick, you know, shoes that, that are in style, but he he wears them to death. Like, they, yeah. they get worn out quick. I think in the time that I have bought him his last six pairs of shoes, I'm still on my pair of tennis shoes. I don't want to get a new pair for the very reason you're saying. They're comfortable. Like, yeah. they're broken in. They're comfortable. I know they look like I need a new pair. And every time I go with him, I'm thinking, I should probably get a new pair. I don't want to break in new shoes. I love a new car smell. I love breaking in new vehicles. Hate breaking in new shoes. And I feel your pain. Well, uh, I don't, I mean, look, I'm no trendsetter, but because my legs suck, I got, look, I got these extra wide Rockport okay. brown sneakers. To make it no, a little bit easier on my legs. Listen, they're, they're, they um, look like they're a good casual dress yeah, shoe. Yeah, and, and uh, I've actually always been a big admirer of your, of your shoes. They look very comfortable. Thank but you. Got them on um, this morning. Yeah. So I wish I could say they were, and this is how we know we're getting old. I wish that I we're could tell, say. We're giving people visual descriptions on a podcast. Right, right. <laughs> well, that and the fact that we're talking about buying shoes, but not because they're stylish, but <laughs> because, because it helped my plantar fasciitis <laughs> last year. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, that's why we did that. But yeah, hey, look. I think when you get older, you go for comfort over style, and and when it's not comfortable or style stylish, you know you're in the Jesse Topper, Jason Gossman <laughs> yeah. area. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, all right, well, let's but hey, I hope I hope you get like you know you can get the inserts too if you need them. Yeah, I, I know, and and um, you know already I could tell once these things are broken in that you know they are going to be better for uh, for my walk just because I spend so much time on my feet yeah. uh you know on any given session day but you know and it's not like you know look my feet take the brunt of all my weight so right. they get they get all the uh they get all, they gotta get, get comfortable they, they get, get beat shoes up. have to be comfortable yeah that's and, true and shoes have to become that's why like i said i don't like to get new ones well speaking about comfortable uh josh shapiro was getting comfortable oh this my week. goodness Start, speaking, you better be you the, better have been something comfortable yesterday listening to that yeah, 80 An minutes. It was Governor half? Josh Shapiro's uh, first dry run for his State of the Union address. He even came in the chamber the way that the presidents come in. Yeah, no it, governor has ever done that. No, they, yeah. they come in from their office, which is it's hard to describe to folks who have never been on the House floor. But basically, it's a very short trip from the, the governor's ceremonial office to the rostrum and he walks through his, his or she if, if it would be a female governor walk through their cabinet members and there they are but governor shapiro went through the the hall of the house to walk down and actually shake members hands a la the state of the union and um you know somebody somebody had said you know he's, he's practicing and it was it was a good dress rehearsal uh 
you know, Governor Shapiro's a, a fine speaker, a good uh, orator, but it was definitely, it definitely felt like the stage was a lot bigger than a typical budget address. Or we could just be comparing it to Governor Wolf, who is not exactly a showman up there. No, and and look, I, I don't know, look, I, and and you're you're a reasonable, more reasonable person than I am, Representative Topper. Uh, so, <laughs> um, it's not saying I, much. I mean, I yeah. I was, I, you know, look, I, I, I saw that there was some to like from what happened yesterday. There was a lot to be concerned about, but ultimately, I felt it kind of strange how he talked down to the General Assembly, especially towards the end. At one point. He said, you shouldn't go out and criticize this budget. <laughs> um, you know, like, like this budget is perfect. It's my budget. How can it not be perfect? Yeah, why he, don't we just pass it he now? He sold it at the end. He said, look, I don't want everybody going out and talking. You know, why, why don't we take a break from the tradition of going out and finding a, the nearest camera? Yeah. And literally, when I walked out to do my press event, you couldn't get out of the door. So I said, well, this, this is a good example that um, nobody really took that to heart, including, by the way, all the members on his side of the aisle who were, who were out as well. Um, interestingly, I, I thought, so when, when you talk about the content of the speech, yeah. the first part of the speech sounded very Republican. Very you know, Republican. Yeah, talking it, about. It was uh, very, very much the tale of two speeches, I Absolutely. Expediting permits for businesses, cutting business taxes, making Pennsylvania open for business. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is pretty good. Talking about, uh, about making sure we have uh, the opportunity to compete for hydrogen hubs and, and uh, produce our own energy. All those things I really liked out of the gate. Uh, fixing unemployment system, all you know, that's that's definitely something that we've all we've all talked about. Now, towards the end, of course, we you know we raised the minimum wage as as though anybody's paying seven twenty five an hour. I mean, if there was ever a time to say that the market is taking care of wages, yeah. it's right now. But look, we're gonna we're, we're keep talking about content. But the style, the one thing that was very interesting was that I have never heard anyone from Montgomery County say y'all yes. twice. Yeah. And uh, somebody asked me about that, and I said, it seems like someone's auditioning for a South Carolina primary. Uh, <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, it was It was just very strange. Uh, it was strange. Somebody had the over-under at 22 minutes, which is a pretty normal budget address before they came in. I, I mean, they obviously should have taken the over. But Look, Governor Shapiro has been, since he was a member of the House, and then when he was a commissioner in Montgomery County, and then attorney general, there has been a path to this day. And it felt as though this this speech had been planned for quite some time. I mean, this was and look, these were his priorities in every level. The other one that the other part of the content that I thought was very good was walking away from from this whole failed idea of defunding the police. Yep. He's saying, no, we're, we have to have more cops on the street. We have to fund our state police. We have to get more recruits. So that was very encouraging for those of us who have been talking about crime and, and law and order. Uh, I think there's a I, I do believe there there are many things that we can work on. Look, we know the we know the culture wars, right? We know that that there's that he is he is firm in the progressive uh, bent in terms of where we are in, in cultural ideology and, and spending, and and so we just have to find those areas that we can work with. I thought he made that clear. I just thought he made it clear, you know, for an hour and a half when we maybe could have made it clear. Yeah, a little and, less and time. look, but um, there was a lot of traps for Republicans, I think, in this budget. And that was laid out in how he did things. We touched on a couple of these things. So we're going to ease permitting reform and try to try to expedite permitting so that it's easier to do business. Now, my biggest quibble with that has always been, he says, at the end of the day, if we don't get it done in 30 days, we give you your money back. Well, people just want their permit. They don't actually give a hoot about their money back. Right. They pay their money because they want the permit. Honestly, the best way around that should be your permit's deemed approved. Sure. And then we'll find a way to take it back if we have to. So he's going to try to make permitting and regula regulatory 
the regulatory world easier while also creating an army of labor law inspectors to go in and literally investigate private sector businesses for that was concerning labor law uh, on me and then when he said that well what if you're if you're complaining about this what you have to hide it's not about hiding something it's about the fact that ask anybody who tries to do their taxes in terms of their business taxes like it is so convoluted and so difficult to work through a lot of pennsylvania regulations and to have this big brother mentality but look again while there were certain things that sounded very republican remember he's not right he is is a he's a progressive uh, democrat and and i believe that um, while there are areas we can work with him on that that was a concerning there, there were still times during that speech that you could hear that door creaking even further open for expanding the size and scope of government and that's those are the things we're right. going to have to push back on as republicans not just in the house but in our sister chamber over in the senate well and let's talk about another area in which there's sort of the smoke and mirror approach that might be difficult for republicans to avoid this trap which is that exact area of state of state police and law enforcement funding that you talked about because you know he has a budget spend number of just over 44 billion dollars our spend number is 45.8 billion because we see that in this new state police fund, he actually offlines that from the budget. So it's still a cost that we need to carry and have from the previous budget, but the special fund he creates is off the general fund line item. So it's really a large 6% growth number in the total budget, but I, I see from this something where if we oppose it, then he's going to try to, and the Democrats will try to put defund the police on us. So, you know, this is an area, obviously, we've been big supporters of law enforcement spending over the last several years, bolstering not only uh, police, but I think even as... And we need to. It's just a matter of bringing it online, right? right? Let's show, let's show the actual numbers. That's transparency purposes, right? That's right. Let's show the actual numbers. I have no trouble with understanding the need for investment there, but it's like anything else. If you're going to invest there, then there's got to be other areas of reform. Sure. We have to reform the Department of Human Services. We have to get out. That's that's the the largest cost driver, rising costs in our budget. If we don't start to get that under control, if we don't start getting our entitlement programs under control, stop yep. handing out money like it's like it's candy to people who don't need it. Then that that's where you got to start first. So you can you can increase spending in terms of recruiting and and keeping police and, and law enforcement. That's great, but you got to offset it in other areas. And so yesterday we heard all of the spending increases, some of which are good investments. But we didn't hear anything on the other side. Like, what yep. are you going to do to balance that ledger? Because we do have, I don't know if it'll be a recession. I don't know if it'll be just an economic slowdown. Whatever it is, it's coming. Right. Like, the, the cliff is coming, and we have to be ready for it. Well, and, and as, as you know, that this, this sort of program integrity measures are things that Governor Shapiro supported as attorney general. Um, and looking at and saying, yes, there is fraud in our medi- Medicaid system and there, there is fraud in the welfare system that we need to get rid of. And this is, you know, ultimately from where we're coming from, this is standing up for taxpayers uh, and, and protecting taxpayers by rooting out waste, fraud, and abuse in the system. And incompetency. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, that, it's that, I, 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 we, we used to say waste, fraud, abuse, and you got the waste. But now, since COVID, especially with our unemployment system, yeah. we have seen just sheer incompetency and right. the Department of Revenue and, and so many other departments that he has to clean up and hopefully... <laughs> That will be the case, and I think over the appropriations hearings, I'm sure Chairman Grove and Chairman Martin over in the Senate are going to you know, hit, hit on those areas that, that we can improve the function of state government. Because, again, investments, which is another you know, cute word for saying we're increasing spending in some areas, have to be offset. It can't just be a constant growing of this budget. I mean, we're 40, 46, 47, whatever the real number is, billion dollars. Yep. It, it's just not sustainable. And we all know that. We all know that if we don't balance the ledger, then we're talking about 
a massive tax increase in two to three years. And that's what I think we need to be focusing on with the budget proposal as is. This is setting us up for a big tax increase. And um, I think, look, there are multiple schools of thought with having a governor who has higher ambitions. Like, okay, well, is he going to be focused on? I look at it as a positive. He needs things to work. Yep. And, 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 you know, look, I was, as a member of the General Assembly, I don't know that I felt talked down to. Um, he's a very smart guy. Um, he, he knows he's very smart. Uh, people around him know he's very smart. But I, I felt like there was, there was definitely the feeling of, I have a mandate. Yeah. And from an election. He's incredibly st- popular. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and we, we have to figure out how to balance his, his mandate with the idea that, look, people returned a lot of us to to, right. to Harrisburg as well. Yeah, mandate's not a blank check, though. Nope, and uh, there are certainly, we're going to stick to our core principles. I also think we need to point out that Reggie uh, is still included in this budget, uh, money from Reggie. And look, I think there's actually a lot of things in this budget. Regional that, greenhouse yeah. gas initiative. Yeah, not anybody who, named Reggie. Just Reggie's like, wait, what's going Uniformly on? very nice people. Um, but, but there's money that comes in from Reggie right. and the, that goes to the Clean Air Fund. And, and um, that was something he had said on the campaign trail that that he, you know, he was, was not, not might, might not support, right. um, which is and he's, there's no inclusion of the acceleration of the CNI reduction, which is interesting. But you know, really, the 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 problem here in this budget is not necessarily in this year, which there are problems in this year. It certainly as we look in the out years with his projected spending and revenue forecast, where we see that the work that Republicans did over the last 12 years in leading on this budget, especially Republicans here in the House, you know that surplus has gone to three years. The rainy day fund has gone to five. Money isn't put in back in into those funds, and it's essentially raiding the kitchen cabinets. You know, and and, and I think there's been a lot of things put in this budget that might not appeal to us at first that he might be willing to negotiate out pretty quickly uh and he put it in there just so that we negotiate it out um, Look, he, he said towards the end you know he gave where his lines in the sand were and furs don't even come and talk to me about x y and z and that's fine you know those are not issues we're going to deal with right but i think everything else that he laid out is on the table for um negotiation and, and ultimately trying to keep regardless of his agenda, our agenda, the Senate's agenda, it's really about the people. You know, and, and I think if we as as Republicans continue to talk, you know, what I've said in education, which you guys have heard me say that the number one stakeholder group in education is the kids. It's not the education apparatus, so to speak. It's the kids. And that's what we need to do. We need to keep talking about what, what really matters to people. Yep. Um, the you know, when, when the, co- the cost of groceries, you know, the cost of, of fuel, um, the, the inability to have a, a real, legitimate, affordable, accessible college education. These are things that are out there that people are really feeling in their everyday lives. As long as we offer solutions to those issues, then we'll be in the driver's seat. If we get caught up in Harrisburg inside baseball, nobody cares. I mean, yeah. nobody cares. And, and we, you know, we sometimes in our, our bubble of Harrisburg, we think of, you know, what we hear on a daily basis here. But it's really important to hear from the folks back home and what really concerns them. And, and that's why I think we're going to be able to drive an agenda that's very people-oriented. Yeah, leading with people. Leading with people. Yeah. Is that new? It, yeah, I just came up with just it. Just came up with that? Right now, while, while I was listening to you. I was inspired. 
You're inspirational. I was just, I love it. Leading with people. Ruth Topper, you heard it here first. Jesse is, in fact, inspirational. inspirational. <laughs> all right, we'll leave it all there. Right. <laughs> um, all right, that's generally assembled for this week. You can find this podcast where all your favorite House Republican podcasts are found. www.pahousegop.com slash my podcast. For Representative Topper and Mike Straub, who's on assignment, I'm Jason Gottesman. This is Generally Assembled. We'll see you all very soon. We'll be here.